the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He's calling, wake up, child. It's your time to shine. You were born for such a time as this. Such a time as this. You live with the fire of God, the anointing of God, the power of God, the unction of God. It is the only hope for our nation. So Jeremiah said, behold, I will make my words. God told Jeremiah this. <clears throat> I'm going to make my words in thy mouth fire and the people will be wood and it will devour them. Sometimes you've got you've to you've ruffle the feathers to bring out the best. Go, go just, just for a day, go to a marine boot camp and watch how loving and nice and gentle they are. Have you ever thought about that? Thank you for joining us here at Westside Christian Fellowship, located in Leona Valley, California, one hour north of Los Angeles. Today on Regaining Lost Ground, we hear the second part of this chain-breaking message from Pastor Shane titled, Calling Down Fire, an Awful Weapon in the Hand of God. Hebrews 13, 7 through 8 tells us, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today, Pastor Shane confronts the challenges facing the church, facing the world. Are you ready for a life change? Are you weary of feeling defeated? Listen now to the truth of God's living word as Pastor Shane echoes the pages of scripture by calling all to deep humility and repentance. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, and it is to your eternal benefit for you to act upon. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. You can hear the whole message at Pastor Shane's YouTube and Rumble channels. Make sure to subscribe today. For more information, visit us online at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We also encourage you to hear more truth from Pastor Shane with the Idleman Unplugged weekly podcast. And now, from Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California, here's Pastor Shane Eidelman. Now again, that just in case you haven't been here, that could be something coming up. Uh, some people tie it into what happened in Jerusalem when a lot of this actually did happen in 70 AD under Titus. Uh, they were, this exact thing happened. Um, but is the time of the Gentiles fulfilled at that point? Probably not. So you can see how this could be a future event. But these two witnesses, they will proclaim God's word. I will give my two witnesses and they will prophesy. Now this is interesting. These two witnesses, they're not going to teach. The word is, is, is specific, especially if you look it up in the Greek. And what is it, what does the Greek language mean? What's the tense of it? What's the, what's the thrust of it? It is to proclaim God's truth. It's to prophesy. And often, people don't like to hear it. Correct? The prophets prophesy. Were they popular? <laughs> 
No. No. <coughs> look at it today. Look at, look at bold Christians today. Those are the ones being persecuted the most. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. But thank God he raises up a rumble for every YouTube. And Elon Musk, I don't know where he's at spiritually, but I'm glad he bought Twitter because things were going in a very... I don't know if you realize how censored we were becoming. It's amazing God just does things like this, in my opinion. But those who prophesy, those who speak God's Word truthfully and boldly are not popular. The world doesn't like them. Carnal Christians sure don't like them. The prideful and the arrogant Pharisee disdain them. And so these two witnesses are going to prophesy. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be a seeker-sensitive message. It's probably going to be like what Jesus, when He came on the scene and John the Baptist, repent! Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance! Repent, you stiff-necked people! Repent! You've drifted from God. Turn back to Him! They're not going to be popular, but they are going to be powerful. And then Revelation keeps going to eleven, chapter 11, verse 4. Actually tells us who the witnesses are. And we can get a lot more controversial <laughs> on the different topics. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands. What in the world are you talking about? So the two witnesses are two olive trees and two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Now stop there for a minute. Remember what I told you, that first bullet point? To really understand Revelation, and I haven't fully exhausted this. There's so many cross-references to the Old Testament. To really understand Revelation, you've got to understand Old Testament imagery and language. Because John pulls in a lot from the Old Testament. Jesus riding clouds. Is He riding a cloud? Is it like a black rain cloud? No. Go to the Old Testament. Judgment. The clouds, the darkness, the wrath of God. It's not an actual little cloud up there. And so you can look at all these in Zechariah 4.3, 4.11, They talk about actually the olive trees and, and what the lampstands mean. And so he said they are representative of olive trees and lampstands standing for, before God. And if anyone wants to harm them, I love this part, Fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. God doesn't play. That would have been another good sermon title, huh? God don't play. They have the power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all the plagues as often as they desire. So most of you just reading this go, oh, I've heard this before. I've heard this in the Old Testament. Who was able to do things like this? Moses and Elisha? Exact same things. So that's why many think if there are two witnesses on the scene, that they would be Moses and Elisha. Barnes commentary, one of the ones I use from time to time. I try to use different ones. I don't just use, uh, you know, all commentaries that are, that are 
you know, what a pre-tribulation dispensational, what most people believe. I don't use just all millennial. I, I like to like what are these what do these great men of God say? As the olive tree furnished oil for the lamps, the two trees here would seem probably properly to denote ministers. And no doubt the candlesticks or lamp bearers are churches. Now, not sure I agree with that, but interesting nonetheless. And a lot of times too, you have to understand, as, as I learned years ago, not there, there's exceptions to this, but often a commentary like this one won't talk about the supernatural because they already don't agree with the supernatural. You know, the gifts have ceased. They're not for us today. So it's kind of hard to, you know, to say that this is actual something supernatural happening because they don't believe that. So commentaries are also bent on what the author believes. Many of you, you know, if you read the uh, English Standard Version of the Bible, how many of you have that? I tease Luke sometimes and I call it the elect standard version. Uh, because when they go to translate certain words, they'll have a Calvinistic bent to them. And so as you read, it's more, it's more like a Calvinist wrote it. Or others, the NIV will have more like an, like an Armenian, and they'll, you know, so it's, that's the thing with translations and commentary. You have to remember, they're people, just like us. And it's hard to sift through all of that and, and find out exactly what God is saying. That's why many times I just, just ask God. And then I go to the commentaries to make sure I'm not, I'm so glad I have many times. I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't take that into consideration. You know, they have, they speak, these, many of the commentators spent their whole life on studying the Bible. Um, but because, for example, if they're against the supernatural, one thing that's always was so funny to me is, remember J. Vernon McGee? Bible bus. Just boring and monotone, but I love to listen. You know, it just didn't fire me up, like check, you know, just kind of, but it was so, I'm like, I just want to keep listening because it's so, so informational. And even I think MacArthur does this in his study Bible, if I'm not mistaken. But when they get to the part about, and Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Both of them said they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. It was more of a pledge of what, ha- what would happen day- days, weeks later in the day of Pentecost. Like, well, that, that doesn't sound like a pledge to me. That sounds like they received the Holy Spirit. But because they don't believe in a baptism of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural kind of got to make that, got to twist, not twist, but kind of got to, yeah, I kind of got to say that, no, 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 they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. They're going to get the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And uh, when I read it, you can look at the verb tenses, it, it appears that Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, but they had not yet been endued with power by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was in them, but not upon them until the day of Pentecost. And again, you have to be careful with with who you read because they have um, prejudices. So do I, right? I can kind of, you know, have something go a certain way. But that's why I like to try to just balance. And what's the balance? And it's funny, it ticks people off sometimes when I don't support their view. It's like, well, you don't have full assurance that that is the right view. Well, no, but... So what's wrong with showing people both views? 
So anyway, Matthew Poole said this about the two witnesses. Here is a plain allusion to the stories of Moses and Elijah. I agree. Calling for fire from heaven, but God showeth that the victory of His ministers under the Gospel shall be, shall be by a miraculous fire called down from heaven. But, actually he said, will not be called. So he's saying there's not actual fire being called down but it's actually fire coming out of their mouths because they're preaching the Word of God. Did I, Well, I think I have it here, actually. We're going to get to it. I won't get to it yet. Jeremiah said, though, God told Jeremiah, I will make words in your mouth fire and the people would, and you will devour them with the Word of God. So like, that's a good point. But let's go back one screen. Sorry about that. Sorry, I jumped ahead. John MacArthur, what he said about the two witnesses, and I was actually surprised and would agree with him. Two witnesses are two people who supernaturally do signs and wonders. So if I could ask him this, I'd say this, signs and wonders in the New Testament, but no signs and wonders today, but signs and wonders come back? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Tricks are for kids. Come on. I, I'm, just, I'm just being transparent. And that's, a, that's something I've struggled with. So as we continue to read in Revelation, I would see this view by MacArthur seems to be the most plausible answer, in my opinion. You could look at it looks like there's possibly two witnesses doing supernatural things. Remember, even the disciples wanted to call down fire, and Jesus said, "The power to shut heaven." So they also have the power to shut heaven. Barnes commentary, this would properly refer to, the, to some miraculous power, but still it may be used to, de, to, note, to denote merely that they would be clothed with power of causing blessings to be withheld from the people. Possibly. But the pulpit commentary, I like what it said. I'm just going to read the end of it. It says, it is doubtful whether the meaning should be pressed further than this. In other words, we don't know. We don't know. It says that the whole verse is descriptive of powers entrusted to Moses and Elijah, but it's intended to convey the idea that the power which supported them would also support the witnesses. In other words, but don't get into too many debates on this. Here's what we do know. Practical application. Amen. Fire heats. Fire heats. Fire purifies, fire reveals, fire consumes, fire devours, and fire decimates. Maybe I'm assuming you know what I'm talking about, but some of those might be new or listening later. I've talked about this so much before, I don't want to go into a lot of detail. But the fire of God is not a good thing if you're not a believer. Hello? <laughs> I know I'm kind of making this, po- this fire positive, but there's very negative fire. Ask Sodom and Gomorrah. Ask where Jesus said where the worm does not die and they're not quenched and the fire doesn't go out and Gehenna and hell and Sheol and these places that... And when I get to hell and heaven, I'll talk about the holding place and the hell later. There's different words described, but the bottom line is the fire is often paralleling judgment. But when it comes to the fire for the believer... Oh, thank God for the fire of God. I don't know about you, but that's what purifies. 
That's what revives. That's what goes in deep, and you have the fire of God in your heart. Have you ever felt that? You know, you're it's just, it's just, oh, just, ah, like Jeremiah. His word is in my heart, like that fire, it's burning. John the Baptist said, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, in some, some Bibles, it might say, am text deletes that, meaning the majority text. Some manuscripts don't have that in there, that one little, God allowed it, and I'm going to preach it. And so many believers don't have the fire. Do they? They're cold. They're callous. They're, they're, and and, and my, my whole point in t- these types of sermons is to awaken what is already inside of you. Fire quenches carnality or carnality will quench your fire. It's your choice. True? Truth is a spiritual sword that cuts deep into the depravity of the heart. The world enjoys the pleasantries of Scripture, but set your words ablaze with the fire of God and even friends will become enemies. Oh. Lots of memories. I was just coming back to the Lord, seeking Him. Morgan was as well. We met, and we all had friends, right? But as the fire is burning in our hearts, it wasn't burning everybody else's heart. So how we wanted to spend our time was not quite how they wanted to spend their time. Right? Up to midnight, midnight watching Halloween reruns, drinking a 12-pack. Christians. And when I say, I don't really want to do Oh, Mr. Holier than thou. I don't really want to watch that. I don't want to do those things. I, I mean, the flesh wants to, but there's this fire now. There's this fire. And if I do those things, I quench that fire. And a lot of friendships would just fall off and fall off and fall off. I go, Lord, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? But when you're, you're, we see it all the time. When you're on fire for God, my aunt comes here sometimes. I have to remind her. Many years ago, she goes, "Oh, Shane's just in a phase." <laughs> Twenty-three years ago, I've got friends. He's in Havasu now. He invites me there. He goes, "We won't drink." I'm like, oh, "I know you won't drink, but I don't want to go." What's, what am I going to go get your boat on Havasu? Like what? What? Other than witness, why don't you come to California? Right? But I want to remind his wife, didn't you say 23 years ago this is just a passing fad? I won't, but I might send this to him to listen to. But, um, but isn't that true? Your, you, your friendships get a little more narrow. Why, why are we going to go watch that movie and, and, it, and it just doesn't resonate? Oh, you, you're, you Jesus freak. A friend of mine that used to come here I'll never forget the day. I was, God was changing me. And it takes time. You need to not get so judgmental, people. I mean, that first year, I was, I was like on fire for God. I'm like going to church. I'm praising God. I'm getting baptized. And then I'm drunk the next weekend. Come on, let's be honest. It's a struggle. And we're going to Laughlin. He's got the, he's got the jet skis. You know, we got, and I'm just, I'm just there. I'm miserable. Sitting on the river. And I said, I can't do this anymore. 
And he was not happy. Never saw him again. Maybe run into him now and then. He came here for a little while. Years went by. But that's what happens. That fire of God, not everybody likes it. Your, your family doesn't like it. You ever go, why haven't I heard from them in a while? Don't want to be, now, you don't want to be weird, right? And overly religious and quoting the Bible and, and just slamming them. But just who you are sometimes is going to be repulsive. Right, if you're on fire with God, you're, you're, you're just not. They're not going to want to be around you because it's very convicting. Spouses have to deal with this, and I feel really bad for that. We get that a lot. One spouse is on fire, the other's not. That's challenging, and that's why I wrote this this week. The world enjoys the pleasantries of Scripture, but set your world ablaze with the fire of God, and even friends will become enemies. What was that guy's name in New York? Carl Lentz or uh, T.D. Jakes or they'll they go on Oprah. I'm like, well, I could go on Oprah if I said those things. Right? Just so, oh, just so. I remember they asked Carl Lentz, what about abortion? Oh, Oprah, that's not my job. Or Joel Stein. I mean, so, oh, that's not my job. I, I don't know. I just, I just love people. And um, that's, the, that's our own personal choice. And oh, I'm so glad you said that because I agree. You know, yeah, we don't know. Who are we to say? Give me a break. That's cowardly. That's capitulation. But see, when you talk about the pleasantries of Scripture, no alarms go off. No fire bells. Fire alarms like that guy and pulled the fire alarm, that little sneaky guy in Washington, right? Got a little slap on the hand. But it, it's, it's the fire that consumes. It's a, it's a fire. Uh, reading, uh, 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 I'm reading a book on circuit riders, Methodist circuit riders that started in England, came into America. And did you know there was something called the Wesleyan or the Methodist revolts? 1720, 1730s in England. Where, where, where ministers in churches, I think at the Church of England, it was all under George, King George III, it was the Church of England, a Methodist came out of that. They would actually persecute the Methodist. They would burn their fires and kick them out of town because they had the fire of God. Yes, it will bring the most persecution, but it will bring the most freedom. You live with the fire of God, the anointing of God, the power of God, the unction of God. It is the only hope for our nation, without a shadow of a doubt. It, 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 is, it, it, it is it. So Jeremiah said, Behold, I will make my words, God told Jeremiah this, <clears throat> I'm going to make my words in thy mouth fire, and the people will be wood, and it will devour them. Sometimes you've got you've to you've ruffle the feathers to bring out the best. Go, go, just, just for a day, go to a marine boot camp and watch how loving and nice and gentle they are. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Why is, why is marine boot camp not very, uh, nice and gentle? Cause they're building soldiers. Me and Morgan love to go down to sometimes when we get a chance, Coronado and sip on our sparkling water and, Oh, look at those, look at those Navy SEAL guys. We're having fun. 
but they're preparing for battle. I'm gaining weight. They're getting in shape. I'm getting soft. They're getting tough. The condition of our church today is from soft preaching. Without a shadow of a doubt. He's calling, wake up, child. It's your time to shine. You born was to town as this. He's calling, wake up, child. It's your time to shine. You born for such a time as this. Such a time. You've been listening to Regaining Lost Ground with Pastor Shane Eidelman. You can find more information at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. And for all the latest on what God is doing with His ministry here, please be sure to follow us on most social media platforms. Westside Christian Fellowship is located 60 miles north of Los Angeles in Leona Valley, California. Thank you again for listening to today's message of Regaining Lost Ground, where we are reminded daily, times change, truth does not. Regaining Lost Ground is sponsored by the generous supporters of the ministries of Westside Christian Fellowship. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.